This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 89.1 in DeKalb, Sycamore, covering most of central Illinois and some of northern Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember, the show and our all of our programs here at Catholic Spirit Radio are brought to you by you. Uh, your donations make everything possible, so anything you can donate is always appreciated. And if you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com, and that will tell you more about us, and it will also allow you to make a donation. If you would like to call us, you can call us at 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427 if you want to make a call. The best way, of course, is to go to our website, find out more about us, and uh, make a donation there. And again, we're always pleased with anything uh, that you can give. uh, I'm going to introduce my wife uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about, uh, later on here, transgender and uh, what's going on with that issue. It's something I think that uh, is important. There's a good article in a Catholic newspaper about that. And uh, also a little bit more on that in uh, magazine First Things, both uh, that cover Catholic issues. But before we start, I want to introduce my wife, Lynn. And uh, she wants to talk a little bit about the uh, abortion issue, something relating to abortion. So we'll start with that. Okay, the best place to start is with the announcement from Archbishop Corleone of San Francisco that Nancy Pelosi will no longer be able to receive Holy Communion in the in the Diocese of San Francisco. Um, because of her stance and her supporting of, uh, of the abortion issue, he also stated that, I can't find it, did, you know how it is, you have something in online and you go to pull it up and it's, you can't find it. Anyway, he stated that he has tried to work with her over the past year or so, even longer, and given her ample time and counseling to the teachings of the church, and she has ignored them. So, therefore, he was left with no other choice but to do this for the good of her soul and for the scandal she is causing by receiving communion. Because when you receive communion in the Catholic Church, you are re- we believe you're receiving the body and blood of Christ. But <clears throat> you also are stating that you are in communion with all Catholics and uphold the Catholic teaching, which she has not done. She can... Pelosi says that she is a devout Catholic. Well, if you're a devout Catholic, you have to be anti-abortion. And the Archbishop is comparing her belief with Moloch 
from the Old Testament, M-O-L-O-K, Moloch. He's a pagan god who demanded the death of infants or children, the firstborn especially. They would often take these babies and would bury them under the posts of the four corners of their uh, enclosures and other ways of sacrificing to Moloch. And the archbishop compares what she, what abortion is, to that worship of Moloch, a pagan god. So therefore, she cannot receive communion there. The stickler is, how often is she in San Francisco? And the bishop has control of his diocese, which is uh, an area a certain region, like the Bishop of Rome. He's Bishop of Rome, not of San Francisco and so forth. <clears throat> or the Bishop, say, in uh, Washington, D.C. And that is, that's, that's, I don't know if he's Cardinal yet or not. Uh, anyway, Gregory, anyway, he can control what's going on in his diocese. And he could not follow what Corleone's doing. He could say she can receive communion here, which is a bad thing. And I hope that doesn't happen. We need unity in the church. And it should start with our bishops for sure. They need to support each other so that we all know what we're supposed to um have our allegiance to. You can't have a, a house divided. Christ said that. Abraham Lincoln said it. A lot of people have said it. But uh, you cannot have a house divided. So we'll see what's interesting. We're certainly going to hear a lot about it. And I'm sure Cor- Corleone is going to receive a lot of criticism in and out of the church. It's saying that He's being too cruel. He's not being Christian and blah, blah, blah. But that's not the facts. Yeah, I think we should pray for him for the uh, probably the pressure and the criticism that he is going to take. It's one thing, you know, for at one time, a lot of uh, Catholic uh, politicians would say, you know, I'm personally against abortion, but my constituents vote for it. And I do have to represent my constituents in a certain way, but it's gone far beyond that. And it is now almost where these people are not only uh, using that excuse, they are actually promoting abortion and preventing, if they can, and taking part in preventing uh, the other side of the story being told, uh, campaigning strongly against people who are uh, in favor of abortion, they're con- campaigning strongly against the uh, Supreme Court justices who may understand that the Supreme Court made a wrongful decision back in 1973 when they uh, said that there was some kind of a constitutional right to abortion. I mean, it's gone far beyond just saying, well, my constituents are in favor of abortion, even though I'm against it, I do have to represent them to a degree. It's gone far beyond that. Yes. She and 
those <clears throat> Catholics of her ilk really are promoting abortion. There is no doubt about that. Right. The left has has pulled them further and further and further and uh, into taking these stands or else not uh, giving them their votes. And at some point, uh, you have to make a stand yourself. You can't just simply uh, allow yourself to be taken down any path simply because that is, you know, that is your uh, your key to winning a political election. There's a difference between, uh, you know, your your avocation or your vocation and what's really important, and that is the fact is the dogma and teachings of your church. And so when those come into as great a conflict as they do, something needs to be done. And I think uh, Archbishop Corleano has to be uh, given credit for his taking a stand. I think uh, bishops all across the nation and, of course, throughout the world need to start taking a far greater stand on this issue. Right, because you face it, you know, as a nurse, if I had participated or helped in any way in perform in a performing of an abortion, helping assisting a doctor, even, I would be automatically excommunicated. I know that every Catholic knows that it doesn't take a bishop to sit there and say you're excommunicated. You know that that is a grave, grave sin, and you've crossed the line. It's called murder. People don't want to hear it, but that's it. And it's cruel also for a lot of these uh, universities that uh, teach nursing, whereas the instructors in some of these universities will not pass a student unless they take part in an abortion, and then they try to use the excuse that it it's necessary for their learning that they might find themselves in a situation like that. But there's nothing that a nurse needs to do in a situation of an abortion that she couldn't be trained to do without without uh, participating in an abortion. And so there's less and less room given for, you know, religious freedom than there ever has been. We've talked about that issue before. There is a war on religion in this country and especially on the Catholic religion by the secular left, uh, by the progressives, if you want to you know, call it that. And uh, it is getting a lot worse. So those are also issues that taking a stand like Archbishop Corleano, Corleano has taken helps along those lines too. It helps people take stands against being coerced into things that are absolutely not necessary for a nurse or even a doctor to participate in. It's a grave, grave sin. And you cannot be a devout Catholic while you're committing these grave sins. She may not be assisting in the actual abortion, but she is promoting it. Just like our president, a devout Catholic that always really does make me want to scream at him. What do you mean you're a devout Catholic? Yeah. It has crossed, you can't be. It has crossed the line. I mean, it's not one thing to say. It's one thing to say, you know, I personally against it, and uh, t- but, it, but I have constituents that are in favor of it, and I do have to a certain extent represent those constituents. It's another thing to go out and fight for it and push it further than it really is intended to. As long as we're on that subject, I, before we uh, come to a conclusion of this uh, segment, I also wanted to point out that uh, 
I think our pray for our Supreme Court justices because these people need a lot of courage. They are illegally being picketed. It's against the law in this country to uh, uh, protest in, in front of a judge's uh, residence in order to try and change the judge's mind on a legal issue. I mean, that is against the law. And yet these people are doing this and uh, there is nothing being done about it. So far, these protests have not been uh, violent, but nevertheless, they are illegal. I mean, uh, the, the fact is, is that uh, the right to petition your government doesn't give you an absolute right to do everything everywhere. I mean, the fact is, is these people have homes that they live in. They have children. They have uh, visitors. They have their wives or their husbands. And these people don't... Uh, sign up uh, to be put to put up with all kinds of harassment the proper place to petition if they want a petition is down at the Supreme Court itself and in conjunction and, and in accordance with all the necessary laws uh, that govern that so this right to petition your government is not some kind of an absolute right that you can do anything you want anytime you want anywhere you want that's right and I would hope I would hope that the justices do not give in to this kind of pressure, that is to change what they are intending to do, whatever that happens to be, we don't know. But just the idea that this secret got out and just the idea that people are down there, you know, at, at their homes, uh, petitioning and trying to change their minds makes any decision that they make after this always subject to some kind of doubt by one side or the other. I mean, if the decision goes uh, in a way that's uh, against uh, what a lot of uh, pro-lifers hope for, they're going to be wondering, is it on account of all of these illegal demonstrations? And it could be the other way around. If the protest goes against what some of the pro-abortionist people are wanting, could they, in their minds, uh, think that uh, perhaps uh, the decisions were made simply to get back against them? I mean, it's not a good idea whatsoever for people to be trying to pressure uh, the legal uh, you know, system of this country, even if you disagree with it. I mean, look at President Lincoln, for example. Uh, you look at Roger Taney's horrible decision in the Dred Scott decision. If you read the case— it is so convoluted. I mean, the, his reasoning is horrible that he concluded, you know, that black people have no rights whatsoever in the Dred Scott decision. Uh, the, the Actually, the abortion decision back in 1973 was even worse than that. Uh, they simply <laughs> invented uh, rights out of thin air. And it's not whether or not these people were for or against abortion. That's not the point. The point is, is that you have to go by the law and how our Constitution is written. And even people who were in favor of abortion recognized that that decision was a, a bad, convoluted, and just absolutely uh, a decision that rode right over uh, the law. It, it just was taking the law into their own hands and doing with it what they thought was the right thing to do from their point of view instead of from the legal point of view. Yes, and to have our top leadership in our country uh, backing and encouraging people to picket 
and do these things to support abortion is a, a I don't know how God puts up with it. I don't have the patience. Yeah, that is another thing for politicians to get involved in these kinds of things and uh, actually encourage encourage people to go out there and harass. And that was that was happening when uh, Justice Kavanaugh uh, was put into uh, uh, on the court and others as well. It was encouraged that people go out and harass these people and harass their families and harass them at restaurants and other places and. Uh, you know this this has to stop and and this whole idea constantly is is that uh, somehow or another that, uh, that these decisions and so forth enrage people so much that they have a right to go out and do this and no they don't when you live in a plural. no it doesn't the constitution the preamble one of them say the citizen has a right to peacefully petition their government exactly well your government isn't at a per individual's house. The government is in Washington, D.C., or the county seat, something like that. You, it's just things have gotten too out of hand. I mean, we've got a government that wants to take over and do everything their way. Well, yeah, this is and this, I You know, look at the idea of we've got uh, the one that was – Oh, what was she? she? And I think they abolished it or set it aside for a while. The disinformation person. Yeah, that's the whole idea of this disinformation office. That that's another issue. We're getting a little bit away from what we're going to do, and we're coming to the end of the first segment, so we're going to have to stop here. But the point I think is well taken that uh, at some point the church has to act. And uh, I think a lot of these politicians have gone far beyond this idea of somehow or another simply uh, representing their constituents. So we're going to stop here and take a break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this transgender movement, what it represents and why it is catching on so much in the United States, what it means for uh, Catholics. And it, uh, we're going to read from uh, a Catholic uh, publication on that issue and maybe uh, try and clear things up a little bit about that as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnson and you're listening to Being Catholic right, on, right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're having a great show for you today. We were talking a little bit about Archbishop uh, Corleone and his decision to uh, excommunicate Nancy Pelosi and all of the uh, pressure that would bring upon him, and there would, it's going to cause a, a lot of disturbance. Uh, and uh, it's an issue that really is something that needs to be dealt with. And uh, we think that, uh, of course, a lot of people will disagree, but the fact is, is that 
some of the people, of course, that are promoting abortion politicians have gone far beyond this idea of simply representing their constituents. They have gone uh, beyond it to the point of pushing the issue uh, and being in favor of it and actually working to punish people who are against it and to work uh, and encourage uh, harassment and punishment of people who, other politicians especially, who don't agree with them. And this has just gone far beyond what uh, should be allowed uh, as a Catholic. And I don't blame uh, Archbishop Corleone for taking the stand that he did. But at any rate, we're going to talk uh, a little bit here. Uh, there's an article in The Remnant, and that's a, uh, a very, very orthodox, or you might say traditional Catholic uh, newspaper, and the uh, issue is the April 30th issue, and it talks uh, uh, about uh, transgender. The article is entitled The Great Posthumanist Reset, and it's by Jason Morgan, a writer who writes uh, for The Remnant, and uh, he writes also sometimes for uh, First Things, which is a Catholic publication, and also for uh, Chronicles, which is a publication that in, is strongly Catholic in, in uh, its writers and its editors and so forth, and a uh, very good writer. And he talks about this issue, uh, the, uh, the great post-humanist reset, talking about transgender and the direction it's going in toward post-humanism. And I think it's very appropriate for, for us to understand uh, what is going on along these lines today and why this is, seems to be such an attractive issue uh, for certain people. So I will read from this. And Lynn, if you want to make uh, comments on it or anything as we go along, feel free to do so. Uh, oh, I will. It's got me wound up the last mm -hmm. 24 hours. So I, I'll say what I think. Jason Morgan says, During the nomination hearings for the Biden administration Supreme Court Justice nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson, Senate Judiciary Committee member Marsha Blackburn asked Judge Jackson what should have been an easy question. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Judge Jackson answered, no, I can't. Blackburn and the conservative pundits were stunned. They shouldn't have been, though. The inability of the American elite to define woman is in no way surprising. Confusion about sex is the latest in the elite's intentional destruction of human society by sowing radical discord about human beings. For a group that has long defined person as a clump of cells or a product of conception, the refusal to say what makes a female person a woman is a completely consistent reiteration of the hatred for humanity which, and here's a definition you can work with, defines the American elite. Judge Jackson's stupefaction in the face of elemental anatomy, despite her claims to lack the biological specialization necessary to comprehend it, is not evidence of stupidity or psychosis. It is entirely unremarkable and by now a routine symptom of the diabolical disordering of our country. At this point, if you can define the word woman, you are a fundamentalist, a hateful bigot, 
The cognitive grasp of physical reality is the rare exception, not the rule. And I think most people don't understand that. I mean, they'd simply take it for granted because we have all grown up in Western civilization with science and with an understanding of how the universe and how the world works. And we take that for granted as if somehow or another every society looks at the world in this way. But the fact is very few societies have ever come about or existed in the world in which people were able to look at and see and understand the physical world as it really is and see it uh, you know, at, through the eyes of what we now call science. Uh, science did not come about in other civilizations. It's a product of Christianity just as Western civilization is a product of Christianity. So uh, most societies do not. Uh, achieve the Christian uh, emphasis and idea of seeing reality and pronouncing reality as reality really is. Uh, They don't arrive at the idea that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, which we find in our gospel and we find also, you know, in in our great saints like uh, Thomas Aquinas. So uh, at any rate, what we are seeing in front of us Uh, happening today, this whole idea of transhumanism, this whole idea of transgender is actually a product uh, of the the 50-year legacy of the court's decision in Roe versus Wade that somehow or another they could put off and not have to define or understand what a human being is. And this is exactly what has happened and exactly is what is, uh, you know, going on today. If people are wondering why is there this interest in transgender and why is there this interest in transhumanism? Because there is beginning to be in this country a a separation from reality as if somehow or another gender and humanity itself is fluid and that there are no limits to anything. And this is a part of progressivism. I mean, if we look at back at the, some of the most... Uh, Progressive, I guess, progressives look back at John Dewey, for example, one of the progressive philosophers of the past who had a great influence on our educational system. Uh, his whole idea was is that the idea of progress is, co- is the constantly uh, breaking down of limits and the constantly opening up, opening up of uh, new means of thinking and new ways you know, of seeing the world. Well, this can be taken to extremes and taken too far. And when that happens, you can lose contact with reality. And the whole very idea that made Western civilization can be subverted. Uh, The article goes on. It says, what is striking about the Blackburn uh, Jackson exchange is not its content. Rather, what stands out is that the exchange, exchange took place in a political setting in a Senate hearing for deciding whether to to approve someone for a seat on the Supreme Court. I was surprised to find that, despite Judge Jackson's post-human stance, her confessed inability to say what people are, we're still going through the charade of politics and rule of law. For what Judge Jackson glibly admits to is total anarchy the upending of the law, and the demolition of the political order. 
Judge Jackson's posthumanism, the ideology she shares with her fellow Ivy League elite and Beltway radicals, is not just a theory which can be digested by law and turned into legislative prerogative the way the other ideologies, such as Marxism and progressivism, have been before. Posthumanism is the end of legislation, the death of the political process. Posthumanism obviates the necessity for the political ab initio. In other words, it, it stops the political process right from the very beginning. Posthumanism makes the political impossible full stop. Posthumanism is, a post, is post-political, is the ruination of the inter, interaction of human beings. Uh, politics is a human art. Only humans do it. By definition, it requires humans to accomplish. There are no stump speeches by groundhogs or manatees. Only humans shake shake hands and tell lies to get votes. Only humans use logic and emotion to sway crowds and build factions. Only humans make written and contemptible laws. If you do not have people in the society, people with bodies and minds and souls, who accept that there is no alternative to shared life within a framework of the material universe, then you do not have a society at all. You have hell. You have post-humanism, the demonic death wish for the human race. Post-humanism is the key to understanding the zeitgeist in our country today. It is post-humanism which goes farthest toward explaining the breakdown of law and order in the United States in recent years. This is not always clear, however. Many point to race as the context of social breakdown, for instance. This is understandable given that racial justice has been the slogan of many mostly so-called peaceful protests and other forms of bedlam in the American streets during the past half decade. As police officers and business owners were shot, stores looted, and cities torched, the academic media government complex told us that it was all for the sake of racial reform. But race has been the smokescreen behind which the human person has been dismantled. Race is the cloak over post-humanism's naked hatred of human beings. District attorneys claim to be pro-minority when they overlook and even celebrate the most heinous of crimes. But in reality, legal practitioners and the American elite in general are not pro-minority. They are anti-human. Uh, a lot of this is initiated, by the way, I want to point out, by the Greens. Uh, most are pro-Earth and are anti-human. And, of course, to be anti-human, it is also necessary to be anti-Christian. And so a lot of this, a lot of this Green movement is a smokescreen also for anti-humanism and uh, a hatred of, of mankind. Actually, these people profess to love mankind, but it turns out in reality that they hate people, which, of course, is anti-human. Except themselves. Uh, right. Elites are lifting themselves out of humanity so they can self-righteously attack it. Uh, it's one of right. the things they're doing. Isn't that truly a work of the devil? 
Virtue signaling is just a saccharine coating which helps the misanthrope, and especially of late the rank misogyny, go down among those watching the whole spectacle play out on TV. And when he talks about that, of course, misogyny is a hatred of women, and misanthropy, of course, is a hatred of mankind and a hatred of people. And uh, you get this. In fact, actually, when we saw the protests on TV, it was just, you know, it was, it was horrible watching these people protesting against the uh, uh, Justice Alito's uh, summary of the direction he's taking on the Supreme Court issue, even though that's not, you know, any final form. Uh, that was leaked and it came out and these people are already out there threatening days of rage and the things that they were saying uh, about babies themselves. I mean, screaming that uh, tear the little monsters out of our bodies and cut them up and uh, other things like that shows that there is a vicious uh, anti-human uh, direction in their protest themselves and what they're doing. And this is by women, you know, talking about uh, what could be their own babies. And, and, and Lynn was talking about the sacrifice of babies to Moloch. And the fact is, is that this was a mark of pagan societies, sacrificing babies and sacrificing other people uh, in order usually to transform uh, the elite into something other than themselves. We get this same theme if you want to take a look at What's the the movie, uh, The Silence of the Lambs, for any people who have right. seen that movie? Uh, the idea that somehow or another this, this maniac can transform himself into something else. He's becoming something superhuman or something greater than human. How and, about taking it to become God themselves? Exactly. And uh, this whole idea there's no limit to progress and that the Catholic Church with its dogmas and its limits as to what human beings are and what they can do has to be... Uh, pushed aside and destroyed. I mean, the fact is, is that uh, we had the Marxists, remember? There was this, they were going to push you aside the material limits. You know, in other words, there would be no more scarcity. They were living in a world, you know, in which the Industrial Revolution had taken place. More and more goods were becoming available. And their dream was, is that they would create a world in which material wealth would be unlimited. Everybody would have everything they need. And we'd live in some kind of a utopia in which uh, people could uh, almost do anything they want, not have to work or uh, do other things. And there would be material uh, wealth, you know, would be taken care of. And human beings would be transformed in some way to a new level. Of course, that whole dream that they dreamed in collapsed and didn't take place. In fact, what they created was not a better material world. It was a worse material world in the first place. And so that dream has died, but it seems to have come back alive by using the same techniques and so forth now to have some kind of a, a biological and cultural revolution in which the, 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 the biological limits of humanity can be overcome and there will be this new, you know, uh, world in which people can be physically changed into whatever they want. So, and also maybe perhaps a di di digital and mental revolution in which somehow the human brain and intelligence and so forth can be pre-preserved and pushed on in the form of gods and so forth. This is their new, it seems like it never dies, 
This is their new dream now that's coming on. And of course, it will end up like the old dream, a total disaster. And the means by which they are trying to put this into existence are already means by which uh, the church uh, and decency could not approve. In other words, the idea that their project somehow is justification for their methods. In other words, the idea that the the uh, ends justify the means. And that's always the idea in some of these utopian projects and utopian ideas. So the direction that we're taking uh, is simply not compatible with the real world. And so these people are deviating from reality itself. And we're going to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back and finish the rest of this article. There's not too much left to go in the uh, uh, last section, and the article itself shows where this transgender comes in from this transhumanism. The transgender idea is actually simply a stage on the way to the whole idea of transhumanism, of changing ourselves into something that we're not, or moving beyond the limits of our bodies or the limits of biology or the limits of our brains. And like my wife said, maybe becoming gods ourselves. And it is, of course, going to end in disaster if we allow it to continue. And that's what we'll talk about in the next section. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about an article called The Great Post-Human Reset, and it's from uh, a Catholic uh, newspaper uh, called The Remnant, the April 30th edition. And it's talking about uh, how transgenderism, this whole idea of changing from one gender to another, is simply sort of a way station, a stop on the way to this whole idea of transhumanism, of people transforming themselves from being human, the limits of humanity into something else, uh, no, perhaps no definition, uh, but the fact that uh, the, the idea of constantly eliminating limits, constantly uh, making the individual uh, freer and freer and freer, so free that he's free of the limits of the world. And we were talking about earlier how the Marxists we're going to set the whole world free from uh, scarcity and the whole world free from material want and ended up, in fact, actually making people far worse off, both uh, culturally and both uh, uh, ethically and both uh, materially. And now the dream doesn't die and there's a new movement and it's using a lot of Marxist techniques uh, to move along a different direction. And the progressives always with the idea that uh, all limits somehow or another must be cast off 
and that uh, we can go beyond our biology, beyond our material bodies, and become something else. And the transgender movement is part of this, and that's why it is so attractive to a lot of people, uh, the idea of freeing ourselves from the limits uh, of humanity. This is nothing new. People have dreamed about this. If you read the myths and so forth of the past, you find this theme over and over and over again. But the article goes on to say, it says, one need look no further than the career of Katanji Brown Jackson to see how anti-humanism looks in practice. And uh, again, it's talking here that post-humanism is a form of anti-humanism, a form of misogyny, or rather uh, misanthropy, the hatred of human beings themselves. It says, uh, to see how anti-humanism looks in practice beneath the racialist facade. And the article is saying that uh, race is used as a smokescreen in the pretense that somehow or another uh, racial prejudices are being eliminated. Uh, what's really going on is an entirely different movement. It says Joe Biden and the Democrats pitched her, that is Katanji Brown Jackson, as a black woman. But that is a canard. Jackson is a Trojan horse for anti-humanism. In the 1996 Harvard Law Review note, for example, Jackson cast doubt on the legitimacy of sex offenders' registries. In 2012, Judge Jackson, who at the time was the vice chair of the United States Sentencing Commission, disagreed with an expert witness that collecting and possessing pornographic images of children is done by pedophiles. In 2013, Judge Jackson acted on her confusion about pedophilia and child pornography by imposing an extraordinary lenient sentence on a man convicted of searching for and viewing images of the sexual abuse of minors. And in another article in uh, First Things that comments on the same issue, uh, the editor of the magazine First Things, R.R. Reno, says this is a perfect example of uh, anti-humanism, the hatred of humanity, that is taking actually a sort of uh, pleasure or a feeling of self-righteousness at the abuse of children. The idea that humanity deserves things like this because uh, we're so corrupt and uh, so unworthy that this is deserved. It says, uh, it goes on here. It is not just Katanji Brown Jackson, of course. Her fellow elites hate humans too. Any transgression of the human person is welcome among Jackson's peers. The academic media government uh, complex tells us that William Thomas, a man in a woman's bathing suit, is a woman. The American Civil Liberties Union tells us that men can get pregnant. Mickey Mouse tells us that little boys can be little girls and vice versa. Joe Biden agrees. The American elite are thoroughly possessed of a diabolical ideology. Everywhere you turn, there you see it. The elite hates you, hates me hates those who continue to call themselves and their brothers and sisters human beings. There are consequences to this that we are only beginning to understand. 
when the ideology of a ruling elite is anti-human, then all politics breaks down. This is what we have in the United States today, and it will get much, much worse. And uh, there are people who are saying, you know, that we are sick and tired of what's going on, and more and more people are opposing this whole idea of transgender and posing the whole idea of this constant uh, progressivism that seems to be leading to a breakdown of law and order and everything else, and that somehow we're making a turnaround from it. I hope that is true, but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, We're going down a line that is not so easy to turn away from. People have to remember that uh, civilizations such as the West are very, very rare, and uh, they don't come along, you know, uh, just uh, naturally. It it takes a lot. And so this whole idea of a post-Christian nation being able to return to sanity may not be as easy as most people think. Uh, yeah, it's certainly not going to happen with the overnight. Because one of the things I want to point out, Lynn, is the the normalization of a lot of this stuff, not just by the progressive left, but by ordinary people themselves, uh, maybe even ourselves, so to speak. And, uh, for example, you see people on you know, the so-called conservative network, Fox News, talking about Caitlyn Jenner, I mean, this whole idea of calling Bruce Jenner Caitlyn, this whole idea of uh, transgender is being normal. We see it on Jeopardy. We watch the Jeopardy show, and you see people come on there that are uh, you know, so transgender people, and they're treated uh, as norms. And then, then there's people that come on there, and their studies are in college. Their studies are that one lady on there, transgender, and other such things. And we are actually in somehow uh, the, the idea of being fair-minded or broad-minded, uh, allowing this to become a norm, even though the people that are allowing this to become a norm often disagree with it and are against it. And that's one of the things we have to start asking ourselves. When society starts going along a certain line, you find yourself swept up along with it, and it's actually sort of uh, approving of things that you don't really approve of, simply by the fact that you just start to take it for granted that this is the way things are. What do you say about that? Right. Right. You know, it begins with this gradual creeping in in society. People watching comedy shows, and the comedy show slowly leaks in uh, homosexuality till it becomes very, you know, it seems like, well, you know, that's there and that's who that actor is or person is, the character is, and then it gets... More and more and more. And people, I don't think, even notice it, that this has happened. And now they think it's normal. Again, the article goes on. It says, confirming judges and committee chambers is a farce which will rapidly come to an end. There is already no need to pretend that we have laws which are meant for human flourishing. There is no such thing as human flourishing because there are no such things anymore as human beings. This is what the Great Reset means. This is the the devil hates us, hates order and goodness. He craves our corruption and defilement. The first Great Reset was actually Satan's. All that follows is of the same dark undertow. Uh, 
Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson doesn't know what male and female are. How could she? There are no committee and oversight in hell. There is only hatred, the inversion of God's grace, the destruction of the human person whom the devil has hated from the beginning. In a world in which human is mocked and denied, there can be no reasoned discourse, no open and honest debate. In a post-human, post-political world, there is only the din of the diabolically disoriented rabble and the barking and shrieking of the ungodly few who rule over them. So this is the end of the article there, but the point is he's talking about one aspect of the Great Reset. The Great Reset, of course, has many other aspects, and there are some other articles on it, and maybe we'll have some time in the future to talk about what this Great Reset means uh, from an economic and political point of view. But uh, Morgan here is talking about it from a transhumanist point of view. And uh, this is this whole idea of the progressives and of the left that somehow there can be no limits on anything or else somehow we're not free. And the fact is, is that we are moving down the line in which reality is being totally disordered. And then when that happens, nobody is free. Right. Nobody. How could you be free? You don't even know what's What's real and what isn't? It's just—it's such a disservice to humanity. What's gone on, it, and we've allowed it. And and the issues go on again. In that R.R. Reno, in the public square, in uh, the magazine First Things, uh, the June July issue, twenty twenty two, talks about the same thing. Here he picks up on this the same idea, and. Uh, he points out that uh, overcoming our bodies is not the same. In other words, the left seems to be in a constant rebellion against everything, against all restrictions. This is what progressivism is. It's the idea there should be no restrictions on ourselves or on anything, and that the whole idea is is to constantly overcome restrictions. No society can live that way. It, it eventually will blow up. A society has to have restrictions in order to somehow have some kind of a viable uh, body of government. But overcoming our bodies is not the same as rebelling against kings or protesting against racial discrimination. In its essence, the American Revolution was a political act, as was the civil rights movement. Neither one redefined marriage, altered what it means to be a parent, or rethought the natural family. By contrast, the sexual revolution, which is still unfolding, is metaphysical in character, a rebellion against nature's constraints. It touches on every, every aspect of what it means to be human. So he's talking here about, first of all, the sexual revolution in the 1960s led to abortion. The abortion idea led to the idea that we really can't define what a human being is, that we can go ahead and kill babies at certain points because they're not really yet human. And then that has led to the idea of transgender, and that has led to the idea of transhumanism itself, a further and further step of actually changing ourselves into something else, and as you pointed out, the idea that we can become gods. Right. And, you know, that's a very tempting view. Well, I can be in control of everything. Ah, not so, not so. It says, some people wonder why transgender issues, transgender issues got 
added to the agenda of liberation. Uh, Progress is a wheel that must keep turning. That's why John Dewey was perhaps the most influential progressive American intellectual in the 20th century, and at every step he championed boundless possibility. Dewey recognized that progress must be open-ended. It seeks ever to overcome fixed limits. But I don't think Dewey ever thought through what some fixed limits might be. In view of this conception of progress as the never-ending quest for boundless possibility, we should not be surprised that we are getting stampeded into a fermentation of transgender ideology. And a lot of the people, according to Reno here, who are doing the affirming of transgender are not people who are actually mutilating themselves, but they seem to be approving mutilating uh, young children. And uh, a lot of them are doctors and educated people themselves, university people. And Reno asserts, it sounds strange, I, I understand that, but he asserts that these people, in a sense, are identifying this transformation in ways that somehow overcome the limits on themselves, on the fact that they're aging, on the fact that they will die. We have become a non-religious society, actually an anti-religious society. We're post-Christian, and yet there is always the idea of dealing with death and dealing with the destruction and decay of our own bodies. And uh, people are inherently religious, as I've always said before, and if they abandon this idea the, you know, of religion, the idea they, they, they pro- profess not to believe in anything, they will find some other religion to believe in. And it seems to be a religion of this idea of transgender and transhuman, that somehow or another there's this possibility of becoming uh, something other than human behind themselves and probably at the, the the apex of this is the idea that they will overcome aging and that they will overcome death. And so they identify along these lines, and uh, it's the new dream instead of the great abundance of material wealth, a new Marxist-type dream in which uh, we will leave the need for material wealth, the need the need for physical life and so forth beyond, and we'll transform ourselves into something else. And I think they may, and Reno may be right, they, that they identify with this through the idea of transgender, especially of children. And this is why they permit and allow a lot of this horrible things to go on in the name of progress. What say you, Lynn? That's right. They're going to keep on going until we absolutely destroy everything in our path. You've got uh, people have got to turn back and stop, or we're lost. Exactly, and it leads people away from reality. And uh, Reno here cautions us. He said, "We need to discern what we are called to say and do as citizens." seeking laws that restrain the excesses of the progressive ambition to remove all limits. But there is a deeper imperative. We are living through what I have termed a metaphysical rebellion. To counter it, we must become advocates of reality. And this is what the Catholic Church and Christianity has given us. It has given us a way of seeing the real world. It has given us a real and solid science, and we need to return to it. 
uh, as the French writer uh, Charles, uh, I'm not sure how this is pronounced, Pegoy, wrote, and I quoted last month, we must always tell what we see. Above all, this is more difficult. We must always see what we see. Let us see and let us tell. And I think that example is, is that we are being sucked in, even people who disagree with this, sucked into treating people who actually call themselves something other than what they really are. We are going along with this, and we need to stop it. We need to start calling a spade a spade and a cat a cat and a dog a dog and start seeing things as they really are and quit going along with this idea that somehow we are going to hurt somebody's feelings uh, or transgress against them if we don't go along with their pretense and their their movement into, into uh, unreality. That is a fact. At any Wake rate, up, everybody. At any rate, we're going to stop here. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruined souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.